On today's podcast, we're going to cover a couple of topics. Uh, one is a, a quick update already right. uh, based upon our conversation last week on vaping. Right. We uh, did a sort of a complete up-to-date, yeah. at least what was available last week, right. on vaping. Since then, there's another article that has appeared, another update. Yeah. I think the last link is in the show notes Right. for those who uh, want to read it. I think last week we said there was something like... 800 and some cases. I think so. Okay. Since then, the number is written to 1,299, about 1,300 cases. So almost 50% more. Right. Have been reported. Um, and the uh, there are two alarming things about this. One is that uh, there's no uh, falling off. Right. It seems like the case, uh, people aren't paying attention, continuing right. to vape. Cases are increasing. Second problem is we're entering the flu season. Right. And what physician, this is an article written by physicians for physicians. Right. In fact, the title of it is a new name and expanded clinical guidance. Right. Okay. Because it's become, it really is becoming a health emergency now. It is. It was one thing in the summer. In the summer months, it's pretty easy to determine whether something is a respiratory infection or a mm -hmm. lung infection. Mm -hmm. But now that we're getting into flu season, what has physicians concerned? It's going to be very difficult to distinguish between right. vaping, a lung infection, right. and a lung, uh, a respiratory problem, right. um, a lung illness, right. okay? So flu, with the flu season coming, we're gonna have an increase in lung illness. The problem right. is how do you differenti differentiate all these new cases of lung illness from lung infection caused by vaping? Right, and, and of course, um, there, there are already people experiencing the flu. Um, right. we, we've mm -hmm. had a, a, a relatively, sizable early um, right. um, explosion of, of, of flu um, yep. cases here in the in, in our area right. um, kids are already starting to miss school and, and everything right. and it's only it's only October and it's still warm here it's yeah. snowing in many parts of the country yeah. I mean Colorado is when yeah. I mean, winter has set in October in the mountain states winter has started to set in and so there are parts of the country that are already beginning to experience the beginnings of their mm -hmm. flu season Okay. Right. And so, so the problem we're going to have is, is how do physicians differentiate between lung infection and lung illness? Right. Okay. Um, because lung infection, they're used to dealing with. The other problem is these cases of lung infection mm -hmm. from vaping right. require a level of critical care that's not required of the right. flu season. And so critical care physician, because right. these are people who now have to be brought into the NIC into the ICU, into mm -hmm. critical care facilities because the lung infect the lung infections caused by lung illnesses caused by vaping right. have to be treated much differently. Very different. So the whole so the country's whole medical community is gearing mm -hmm. up for what could be a very difficult winter with respiratory illness and yeah. respiratory infections. Yeah, we'll keep um, providing updates uh, whenever we whenever we see them, and uh, we certainly weren't expecting such a significant and, and important update so mm -hmm. so soon after our, our first podcast about right. uh, vaping. But uh, we will keep uh, giving you updates whenever we can. Right, and before we leave, this vaping mm -hmm. now has an official name. Oh, that's right. Okay, absolutely. It's capital letters E V A L. I, and E-V-A-L-I stands for E-Cigarette and Vaping Product Use Associated Illness, long name. Mm -hmm. And in fact, 
The Center for Disease Control is now developing ICD-10 codes mm -hmm. for EVALI. Right. Okay. So it's become, it, it has really grabbed the attention of the medical community, I think mainly because of the onset of flu season. Yeah. It's going to be a problem for the it medical is. community. Yeah, so. so that's the latest update on vaping. We'll keep you up to date as we learn more. So um, the advice the CDC and everybody else is giving, stop vaping. Yeah. And people say, well, I don't vape THC. Mm -hmm. I only vape right. tobacco products. Keep in mind, 13% of the cases are tobacco products only. Right. So you're yeah. not safe just vaping nicotine. Yeah. So. Okay. so be careful. And get a flu shot and a pneumonia shot. That's true. That's the other thing I said. Stop vaping, get a flu shot, and get a pneumonia shot. Yeah. Okay. So get ready. Get ready for it. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, the, the main part of today's podcast is going to be about domestic violence. Actually, right. October is, mm -hmm. um, there, there's a couple of, you know, it seems like every month is something new um, and, and multiple things. So um, October is, um, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but it's also um, Emotional Wellness Month. Right. And that'll be our podcast for next week. But, um, you know, as I, was, as I was looking that up this morning, um, there's a whole um, website on mm -hmm. National Month National and awareness National Days. days and you know, so there's a, whole, there's a whole list of them. Yeah. So. But some we want to take, there's, I think, some of them are silly, you know, oh, National yeah. Hot Dog Day or something. Not too long ago, it was National uh, Talk Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> That's so. right. September something. Yeah. It was National Talk Like a Pirate. Mateys. Yeah. So, but this is, these are more serious. Uh, October is Domestic Violence um, Month and mm -hmm. also Emotional Wellness Month. We want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. First, we want to talk about domestic violence. Right, and the reason that we're going to talk about that is because last week, last Friday, mm -hmm. uh, this past Friday, we had the opportunity to participate in a forum on domestic violence, and more specifically, the effects of domestic violence on children, on children. And, the, and children's development. Right. And, uh, several of us from here at the practice had the opportunity to, to do a talk. Um, and we, we, the goal was, this is just some behind the scenes stuff. The goal was to record the symposium, <clears throat> all, the, all the talks, and, um, and post those, all those talks as individual podcasts and videos on YouTube and stuff. There's a reason I'm beginning to cringe. But we weren't Go able ahead. to do that. Well, we becomes I. But it's okay. Despite a careful tutorial by Dr. Bernie um, on how to get all this software and hardware working properly, mm. yours truly once again fell short. Well, it's okay. I, I should, the, the original intent was for me to be there first thing in the morning as well, and, um, but I wasn't able to make it there because I had to go to one of, a couple of my schools um, on, on Friday morning, so I wasn't but, able to get but there. But one click of a mouse, I should have been able to handle that, right? But it's okay. No, well. So, so we didn't, we weren't able to record. Um, we wanted to record it. We wanted to post it on Facebook Live. Do a did Facebook Live? That didn't work either. No, that didn't work either. And that was, that was really just. Yeah. So it's okay. So my apologies. Um, one of the things about emotional wellness is taking responsibility. Right. So I take responsibility <laughs> for my shortcomings on that one. Yeah. So, so I do apologize because it was a lot of valuable information it was. Was, it was. was given out that day. Um, and, and I apologize for um, my lack of technical expertise, technical yeah. abilities, because okay. it would have been worth having uh, yeah. and recording. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it, it went very well. There were a couple of hundred uh, 
in the in attendance um, people from different walks of life, different um, professional agencies and, mm -hmm. and groups and organizations. Did you know that this is a very difficult symposium to get a seat at? That's what I heard, yeah. I was told that while we were there. People sign up a year or two in advance yeah. to be able to attend this conference. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, um, It's really an interesting thing. We happen to live in, the, in what's called the 10th Judicial District, 10th Judicial Circuit. Right. It consists of three counties, mm -hmm. our county of Polk and um, Hardy and Highlands County south of us. And the judges, what I was impressed by with this is this whole movement has the support and energy of the judges mm -hmm. who sit in these courtrooms right. making decisions about domestic violence cases. Right. And the judges were in attendance. Yeah. And one of the judges actually runs this whole thing. Mm -hmm. She acted as the, sort of the, the master of ceremonies. Um, and I was very impressed with their involvement mm -hmm. in domestic violence and, and yeah. the uh, management of domestic violence in these three counties. Right. Uh, the judges were there, the clerks of court were there, their assistants were there, and of course all the frontline workers right. were in attendance. There were two, over 250 people in attendance. Yeah. Okay. And this year's theme was about children. Apparently in the past mm -hmm. they've talked about victims, and this year they wanted to focus on children and they asked if we would be willing to yeah. assist in some way. And yeah. so four of us uh, joined Chris Lolly, we'll talk about him in a second, um, in presenting specific information about various topics um, about the effects of domestic violence on children. Right, mm -hmm. so um, yes, so Chris Lolly, he spoke about, he, he kind of introduced the idea of ACEs mm -hmm. um, and the adverse childhood experiences, uh, one of which is exposure or, or right. witnessing domestic violence or mm -hmm. aggression in the home. Right. Um, but, but there's many others, and we, we've talked about ACEs many times here on the podcast. Right. So. right. Yeah, Chris is the executive director of Prevent Child Abuse Florida, right. which is part of a larger ounce of prevention program mm -hmm. here in our state. He has um, years and years, you know, 30 years right. experience um, in this field and is now directing um, the, the, um, this important um, organization and he showed a film about the ACEs study mm -hmm. and if, if many of you are aware of ACEs, A-C-E-S stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Right. It was done in the 1990s by a couple of pediatricians who, who said, or physicians who wondered about um, why people don't lose weight when they're in these really good mm -hmm. uh, weight reduction programs right. and they went back and looked at family dynamics, right. okay? And then a, a few years later, a pediatrician in San Francisco had the same thought, and she looked at their data and said, um, what are the outcomes of these kids um, later on? And right. what she did initially is she looked at their physical outcomes, right. uh, more heart disease, more strokes, more obesity, um, or, um, shorter lifespan, mm -hmm. okay? And there's something about early childhood experiences mm -hmm. that affect a person's physical health, mm -hmm. later physical health, but also, also their mental health. Right. And what these uh, researchers were able to do was to identify 10 characteristics, 10 issues. 10 um, traumas, risk, tra yeah, traumatic experiences. Sources of trauma, mm -hmm. right? Like if your parents are divorced, the death of a parent, um, and one of them is um, domestic violence, right. intimate partner violence. Um, um, and physical illness. And so there are these 10 factors. And what the researchers found is if you have four of the 10, mm -hmm. you are at increased risk, significantly increased risk for later physical and mental problems. Right. Okay. So that's what the, he showed the film. 
that discussed that study. So he led off with this film about um, these 10 um, adverse circumstances that mm -hmm. affect later outcomes. Right. And so um, after he presented, uh, Dr. Marshall uh, presented on uh, the effects of domestic violence on brain development right. in the child. Yeah. Um, and then Dr. Suarez spoke about um, the effects of domestic violence on childhood education. Right. Uh, after lunch, I presented on social emotional development mm -hmm. um, and how it's influenced by um, domestic violence. And the, um, the day was sort of wrapped up mm -hmm. by uh, uh, Mike Englert from here in the right. office talking about substance abuse. Yeah, and how, how substance abuse fuels and makes right. these things so much worse, uh, especially alcohol abuse, right. which is the most uh, commonly abused drug. All the drugs, right. you know, all the illegal drugs and many prescription drugs are also involved, but he talked mainly about the effects of alcohol right. on adverse circumstances. Now, one of the reasons why it's really important that we talk about domestic violence and, and its role in child development is because it is much more of a pervasive problem than I think most people right. realize. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are various types of domestic violence. You know, we tend to think of physical abuse. Right. Um, primarily, we think of, you know, you know, again, the physical violence, physical aggression mm -hmm. uh, between two people. But domestic violence also includes social, uh, includes emotional, right. uh, mental uh, right. abuse, and we see mm -hmm. that m maybe even more often than we see the physical abuse right. um, in, in these relationships. That's right. One of the things that we learned in, in doing the research for the brain development part is that different kinds of abuse. There's no, there's no benign abuse. Right. I mean, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, and physical abuse affect different brain systems differently, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, verbal abuse has one effect, physical abuse has an effect, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, they all exert a specific and damaging effect on right. kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so when, whenever a child uh, witnesses or, or is in a home where these kinds of things are happening, mm -hmm. um, the parent, especially the, the, the victim parent um, right. uh, of the abuse, may feel as though he or she is protecting or shielding the children from the effects of domestic violence, but what we're realizing is that that's not really happening. No. Uh, kids experience it and feel it, and um, just from this stress in the home itself, whether the child right. really recognizes that that's what's happening or not, um, all of that affects the child. That's right, and witnessing domestic violence is as bad as mm -hmm. being a victim. Right. Uh, well, that's what we're learning, at least in children. Um, it's called vicarious trauma. Right. Um, you don't have to be a victim of abuse yourself, all these kids have to do is see it mm -hmm. or feel it, right. and it's going to have an adverse effect. Absolutely. So, um, And we didn't even talk about neglect, and neglect right. is about right. as bad as abuse. So um, abuse and neglect, um, we now know, are, are enormous and long-term consequences right. to uh, children. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so we know that it affects, um, well, as you presented, we know that it affects the development of the brain. It, right. it, it influences um, just the the connections that are made right. um, between different regions of the brain, mm -hmm. and that of course has later influence on all of the other things that we talked about, whether right. it's education or social emotional development or mm -hmm. even physical development. Sometimes right. it's especially um, damaging to the structures of the brain that we use to regulate our emotions. Right. And one of the things that happens with kids exposed to domestic violence is they lose the ability, or they never develop the ability right. to regulate their own emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and, and that was That's the, what you the, about. the crux of my conversation uh, with with the audience that you know when kids 
experience that. And I didn't talk about the brain uh, right. as much because I knew that you, you hit on that. But what I, what I focused on is, is sort of the, the issues related to attachment right. and the issues related to um, modeling. That's right. You know? Yeah. What you... Um, you know, when kids live and grow up in homes where there's, where there's domestic violence, they don't mm -hmm. create the attachments to their parents that's right. In the way that we hope that they would, or we yeah, the parents to. are unable to attach to the children. They're they're especially the victim of abuse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It has a very difficult time. They try to protect the children, right. but they're not attaching. So right. children don't have these secure attachments mm -hmm. to parents. Right. Um, but maybe um, even more significant is the is the idea of, of modeling. Right. You know, when when a child sees that um, conflict is resolved through domestic violence or through arguing or through um, demeaning or other, you know, physical or verbal abuses, mm -hmm. why would we be surprised that that would be the strategy that kids would That's use right. as they experience conflict? Yeah, kids, kids, uh, kids model, they do what they see, mm -hmm. not what they hear. I mean, we can tell our kids a lot of things, but they're going to model, they're going to, they're going to um, model what they see, Absolutely. not what they hear. So if they're watching parents screaming and cursing and hitting, mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what they're going to learn and right. that's what they're going to repeat when they leave the home. Absolutely. And we want kids to be able to regulate those emotions. And we've talked before on the podcast that you know, there are certain stages that you hope that kids um, attain different mm -hmm. skills by. And you know, certainly by kindergarten, we hope that they're socialized so that they can yeah. take direction from other teachers. And that begins with you know, the development of social emotional skills. Right. Um, but you know, certainly by third grade, you know, eight years old is where we really hope that they have that behavioral and, and emotional regulation skills. Mm -hmm. And we know that if kids don't have those skills by the time they're in third grade, and we could be in we could be in trouble yeah, as it if, relates to their ongoing development. Right. If a child can't self-regulate by the end of third grade, mm -hmm. chances are they're never going to do, to develop right. that ability. Right. So we call these sensitive periods or critical periods. Because if a kid doesn't isn't able to control his or her mm -hmm. behavior and emotions by the by eight years of age, there's a good likelihood that it may never develop, right. and this is going to be a chronic behavior problem. Right. Absolutely. And it's not their fault. Right. I mean, that's the you know we blame the children. We always right. blame the children. It's not the children's fault. It's what they've been exposed to and what they've seen and what right. they've modeled. Absolutely. I, I began my talk with a um, with a quiz for the audience. I asked Did you? Them, I asked them if they knew what the earliest social emotional developmental milestone was, um, and how early it started. Um, and a few guessed correctly that the first social emotional uh, developmental milestone is the social smile uh, that we see in infancy. Um, but it's it, not an easy question. They had a little bit more difficulty recognizing the fact that. Um, that that social smile can begin as early as one month of age. Month of age, right? Um, and so these skills start very, very early. So again, when there's a, when you're in a home complicated by domestic violence, the availability of either parent to be able to provide mm -hmm. the child the interactions and the engagement and the attachment, um, uh, the attachment styles that are needed for that child to begin that process that right. early, mm -hmm. it, it's more <clears throat> limited when the, the home is complicated that way. So. Again, all the, all the reasons of why it's important that we're talking about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the brain's going to learn what it's exposed to. Yep. I mean, that's the thing. The brain doesn't come out with these abilities, with these skills mm -hmm. uh, already formed. You form them by interacting with your environment. Absolutely. And if it's, a, if it's a violent environment, that's what the brain is going to develop. Right. If it's a calm, nurturing environment, that's what the brain will, will do. Right. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the schools that I work at um, 
has up upon this whiteboard uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like that they have it. And I, I, I don't know the context in which for which it was written yeah, up there. Wonder why. Uh, but it stays there, um, and it's been there every time that I've I've been at the school. Um, this is in the office, and and what I really like about the idea that it's there is they identify what the different levels are. Mm-hmm. And so when we have conversations about some of these students, we can talk about difficulties in the, in the academic setting. This is some of what Dr. Suarez talked about. Right. Difficulties in the academic setting that, are, that stem from homes complicated mm-hmm. by domestic violence. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a child who is scared uh, about what's happening at home, if they're worried about their mom or they're scared of their father or scared of their mother and worried about their father, either, either way, mm-hmm. um, when those things are happening, um, how in the world do we expect the child to come to school and learn some of the critical mm-hmm. things that they need to learn to be able to be successful and to um, master some of the skills we need them to master? They're at the survival level. You know, they're right. at the safety at level, level right. um, which is one of the base levels of the, the hierarchy of needs. Um, and if they're stuck there, they can't get to those higher order um, mm-hmm. needs of learning and socializing and some of those right. other things. Yeah, the film that Chris Lally showed um, demonstrated this very nicely because it had a, a, an elementary school child mm-hmm. walking across the street and these massive trucks kept approaching. Mm-hmm. And he said, these kids are always living in fear. Right. They live in fear all the time. Well, if you're on alert for danger, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to focus on school. Absolutely. Okay? And that's what Dr. Suarez talked about. Mm-hmm. She expanded on that, that issue in her talk, is that if you're, if you're worried about who's going to be home tonight, what's going to happen mm-hmm. when I get home, will, will somebody come home drunk, will somebody come home high, and you know, will somebody get beaten up? If that's what you're thinking about in mm-hmm. school, I can assure you that you're not going to be thinking about right. reading and math and spelling. Right. Okay? Right. So. So, the, so the effects... Again, the, the effects of domestic violence, I know that, you know, in talking with a lot of people who have been victims of domestic mm-hmm. violence, again, they, they work really hard and they feel as though they're doing the best they can to, mm-hmm. to shield their children and protect their children. But we do know that it does has, have an effect. And, mm-hmm. it, and the effect is there oftentimes, again, whether the child is fully cognizant mm-hmm. that it's happening or not. Right. Um, it, it doesn't require the child to, to say, I'm feeling this way because I know that this is happening at home. No. Um, all it requires is that this is happening at home and we can see the effects right. on the child. That's right. And they're often they're not even able to articulate right. what they're feeling. They're just, they live in this constant state of fear right. and anxiety. But yet we still, you know, put it all on the child. We put, you know, we, we he's say, not paying attention. He's not motivated. And we yeah. re-traumatize them in school. But I think several of us made that point that mm-hmm we always tend to blame the child. The child's not motivated, the child's not behaving, the it's child's not kid. listening. So this child is just, beha- it's voluntary misbehavior, right. voluntary deviance. And for most of these kids, it has nothing to do with voluntary disobedience. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the, the trauma right. coming out. And um, so we bring them into schools or churches or organizations or sports teams, and we start yelling and screaming at them mm-hmm. We're just re-traumatizing right. them in these other places, and then we wonder why they, they get dark, why they go dark, mm-hmm. and why they get angry with us, because we then mm-hmm. start to look like their parents. Yep. Yeah, you know, anytime, um, <laughs> anytime people get really um, frustrated with a kid, mm-hmm. um, the, the thing that I think of, or the thing that I would, and I would certainly encourage others to think of, is um, 
where did he learn that behavior? Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing that really gets to an adult more than a child who curses at them. <laughs> right. Um, right. <laughs> most, many kids who curse that way don't even realize what they're no, saying, no, especially curse. really young kids, no. don't even realize what they're saying. It's just what they've heard. That's what they hear at home. Um, and so mm-hmm. if they hear, you know, somebody does something that the other person doesn't like and that person gets is yelling and you know using curse words and or even name words calling. and name you calling know, and oh, all you're that. stupid or you're this or you're that why wouldn't we expect the child to do the same right one of the things we hear repeatedly in our talks around the country is that the biggest struggles are with kindergarten children right. okay well it's kindergarten children who have, who are simply repeating right. what they have heard for the first five years of life absolutely okay? and there are homes where parents have no filter they right. say words that children shouldn't hear mm-hmm. um, and those children come in they don't know that yeah. there's a there's a moral value mm-hmm. to those words right. it's just one of the words in their vocabulary yep. and they but when they do that in school then they're punished for right. it you know, without thinking that maybe the kids just repeating what he's he or she has heard yeah because that's most likely the case so um, now I, I ended my talk um, with with some hope yeah. um, the hope that um, we know that we know that the development of good social emotional skills can protect us right. to some extent from the effects of some of these um, early childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the research has demonstrated repeatedly is that it takes one person. That's right. Mm-hmm. It to takes turn one it around. person to turn it around. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It takes one person to believe in the child, to, right. to have faith in the child, to, to show the child that the child matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just that one person um, who's often a teacher or right. um, you know, a, a, a clergy person or a coach, or, or coach Coaches do it. could right. be anyone that shows that kind of interest and gives that type of a, a attention and um, connection to the child mm-hmm. can protect, um, provide those resilience factors um, to help the child overcome some of the ill effects of domestic violence and some of these other childhood experiences. Yeah, the good news is, the the bad news is is that these changes can have lifelong Mm -hmm. uh, effects. The good news is is that there are ways to correct some of these things. And there's a a program that I meant, there are several programs. One of the ones that I saw was at the University of Georgia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, it's for um, children of poverty uh, between the ages of seven and 11, uh, or 11 and 12, uh, that sort of late right. uh, elementary, early middle school age. Yeah. And it's simply a seven week, mm-hmm. which is not very much time, mm-hmm. seven week parent training program has been able to offset some of these disadvantages. Yeah. So these effects, these ill effects can be reversed right. uh, in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. And when you, when you compare seven weeks to 11 years, mm-hmm. um, that you can, you can reverse some of these right. um, negative effects of adverse experiences. Yeah. So there is hope. There, there are a couple of programs like that. Most of them are parent training programs, right. uh, teaching the parents yeah. how to do things differently. Yeah, I certainly have um, some people in, in my life, some friends, mm-hmm. um, who, who have been through some really challenging, who went mm-hmm. through some of those really challenging things early in life between domestic violence and other traumas and abuses yeah. early in life and um, are just amazing people. You know, they, they have, they have overcome get, right. uh, so many of those, um, what, we, what we see as anticipated mm-hmm. limitations, mm-hmm. Um, but yet they have defied all of those. And right. so th- there is hope, uh, is what I'm getting to. Uh, there is hope and there is um, the, the 
potential for being able to mm -hmm. overcome a lot of these issues. And um, I, we've seen it firsthand oh. with some of the people that we know and some of the people mm -hmm. that are important to us. Um, and, and it's amazing when, when you can see that happen. And so it makes you even more motivated to work with some of these kids who are experiencing this stuff so That's that right. they, can, they too can overcome some of these limitations. Yeah, and you always hear that. People say, well, this person made it out of poverty, or this right. person, well, you know, his brother did okay, why can't he do, do okay? Mm -hmm. um, in most cases, if you talk to people, yeah. they will talk about a mentor. Um, in yeah. my talk, I mentioned um, Oprah Winfrey. Mm -hmm. Maya Angelou and Ben Carson, each one of them can remember very clearly the person right. who turned their lives around. They yeah. were all headed for disaster, right. yeah. all three of them. And any of the three could have either been killed or incarcerated mm -hmm. by the time they were teenagers. In fact, Ben Carson was, was threatened mm -hmm. by a judge that if, if you come back here once more, you're going to jail. Mm -hmm. Each one of them talk about a mentor right. that changed their lives. The other thing to remember is when we talk about resilience, Resilience is a good thing, but not everybody's resilient. Right. And there is some research now that suggests that people who are resilient may have inadequate brain interconnect brain connectivity. People who are not people resilient. Who are resilient. Oh, people who are resilient. Okay. It may be that they're an accident of nature. Oh, right. Because right. Okay. their brains aren't remembering the trauma right. as much as as if you have normal connection, right? You know, which so if there's a reason to to have an abnormal brain, there's your reason. Right that's there. right. It's like being allergic to cow's milk. You know, right. um, it, it's almost like a mutation mm -hmm. that people who don't seem to be, of course, they're not affected by much of anything. Right. Is the problem, but they're resilient because the um, they they don't have the brain connectivity yeah. that that uh, neurotypical people might have, and so yeah. the effects aren't as um, Aren't as significant, yeah. you know. So, so don't, don't don't jump to that conclusion. Like, well, his brother overcame it. Why can't she overcome it? Well, because maybe her brain is different than her brother's. Right. So, Absolutely. don't don't judge too harshly because there's yeah. research that suggests that they're being uh, deceived yeah. uh, by their brains. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. But so that's about it for today. Um, if you are in a in a home complicated by domestic violence, mm -hmm. or if you have a loved one or someone that you know that is in a home complicated mm -hmm. by domestic violence, encourage that person or encourage yourself yes. uh, to get help and get to get support. Mm -hmm. We recognize that it's really difficult to get out of those situations. Right. We know it, that it's really, right. um, really difficult to get out of those situations. No, it really, really is. I mean, there, there are financial considerations, yeah. child considerations. Um, so we know it's extraordinarily difficult, but there is help. And you do have the legal profession. Yeah. Um, these, the, I was very impressed with these judges. Yeah. Um, their hearts are in the right place. Absolutely. And, um, so do seek help. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, all right, that is it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.